Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Devastating fires in Hunter Valley and Northeast Australia. 2019 yields in the Rhone increase. New Mendoza sub-appellation approved. And, as ever, a Wine of the Week. So before we dive into the news, let's look at our week in wine. Yes, so not just an average week in wine. We're currently in San Sebastian, and we've been to Sherry and Rioja. And Sherry was extremely exciting the first time we've been to Jerez, and we absolutely loved it. A beautiful town, and not just Jerez, but we also went to San Lucar and Puerto de Santa Maria as well. So we really explored the whole triangle. Spoke to lots of producers, did lots of tastings. Quality was extremely high. Uh, food is really good, and everyone is just very friendly and helpful. And everyone's so positive about Sherry, even though it's such a difficult market. Everyone's very positive about it. So if you're in Sherry, you've really got to love and care about it. Yes, it was a great experience. And I think the stressing the food pairings with the Sherry wines was uh, one of the big takeaways for me. And that's something that they're really trying to push on to the trade gatekeepers so, uh, so that we can get consumers drinking more Sherry. Yes, and we spoke to Jan Pettersen, who's a Norwegian um, who um, has been making wine in Sherry for 20-odd years and the Fernando de Castilla label, uh, one of the best. He's known affectionately as the boss, someone definitely worth knowing. And he stressed that Sherry was always about food and wine uh, pairings up until the 1970s when there's a disastrous expansion and mass volume wines being made. And now Sherry has to recover that reputation um, with the food and wine associations. Yeah, and sadly, we had to leave Hedeth after a few wonderful days and and moved northward. So La Rioja, uh, we spent a few days there, and that was a return home for me. I had spent two years living there about seven years ago, so it was nice to be back. And so Rioja producers that we spoke to are all seem to be really stressing terroir and site selection um, over regional blending, which Rioja has long been known for. And now that Viñedo Singular is a thing, which we discussed in a previous episode, um, it's interesting to hear the conflicted views from producers firsthand on this new designation. So one winery we visited, Castillo de Cuscurita, uh, which is in Rioja Alta and the kind of most eastern side of the region um, they were very excited about the new designation um, they don't use the typical aging designations that Rioja has long been known for with Crianza Reserva, Gran Reserva uh, so this Viñedo Singular is something that they welcome for their especially obviously for their single estate vineyard wine. Gomez Cruzado on the other hand uh, seemed less excited about this new designation and that it isn't really doing anything to help Rioja wines abroad. Uh, The region does need something to help promote the wines uh, because quality and diversity is better than it's ever been. Uh, However, Vinito Singular may be a bit much for consumers and even for trade to really wrap their heads around. Yes, and the lady at Gomez Cruzado is kind of commenting that Vinito Singular is a bit the um, regulations that have been brought in don't really apply to the sense of place or the sense of quality. It's more about the vines have to be old, organically farmed, etc. So the regulations don't really monitor the quality of wine. However, I still think it's a useful step in the right direction because it's clear that all the producers we talk to really want to emphasize that sense of place, the single vineyard or the region rather than just blending everything together and calling it Rioja. And I've spoken to other producers who also believe that. So I do think that's where Rioja is going to go, albeit slowly. 
Yes, so now we find ourselves in Basque country and discovering the wines of Chakali. Yes, we'll be going to a producer on Tuesday, which we're very excited about. Now on with the news. And upsetting to report more news on wildfires, this time from Australia, where New South Wales and Queensland were hit by devastating fires that forced evacuations across the two states. Firefighters were working hard to contain fires, with 15,000 liters of water being dumped at a time from a giant air tanker. Despite those efforts, strong winds of up to 35 kilometers per hour were making the situation worse. To add to the apocalyptic conditions, a storm dropped hails the size of cricket balls. Rain also fell, though not enough to dampen the fires. The fires provoked much debate and controversy, with politicians on all sides casting blame for the cause and spread of the fires, and the failure to deal with them. Given it's only November, the start of the summer, states and wine regions across Australia are wearily getting ready for a hot, dry, and fiery growing season. So no doubt there will be more to report on this, so stay tuned for future episodes. Booking trends across the rest of France, where yields are set to decrease by up to 14%, the Rhone's 2019 vintage looks set to increase on the high-yielding 2018, with yields of between 2.6 million and 2.8 million hectolitres, compared to 2.7 million in 2018. The rise is led by the Côte de Rhone and Côte de Rhone village, which are likely to increase by 5% on 2018, and the rise doesn't mean a decrease in quality, as the fruit is good and healthy. In the Northern Rhone, yields are fairly consistent compared to 2018, although Crozet Hermitage fell slightly due to a hailstorm in June. Well, that's good news for Rhone lovers. The more the better, especially when the quality is going to be good. So it'll be interesting to see how these wines develop. Uh, if there's lots of it, will prices fall and will it be really good for the consumer? Do you think that there will be any challenges for producers trying to sell uh, all this extra wine? I'm, we're seeing the grape glut in California and how producers are struggling to find space for it and places to sell it. So is this happening to Rhone producers as well? Well, 2018 was high and 2019 is a little bit higher as well. So that's two consecutively high vintages that they've got to uh, try and sell. But hopefully um, two vintages isn't too hard. It's when it's year after year that it becomes a problem. So hopefully they can uh, still sell this wine. I'll certainly be buying some. San Pablo in Argentina's Mendoza region has been awarded geographical indication status after a four-year campaign by local producers. It's a subzone of the Uco Valley, or Valle de Uco, and becomes the most extreme of Mendoza's regions. It lies between 1,100 meters and, on its western boundary, 1,700 meters elevation, and its arid climate receives just 500 millimeters of rain a year. The three wineries spearheading the campaign were Salentine, Zuccardi, and Tapis, with support from the Agronomy School of the National University of Cujo in Mendoza. So this is part of Argentina's, and in particular Mendoza's, determination to highlight its different growing conditions. Uh, we've seen in the past the producers seeking higher altitude uh, in Valle de Uco, and now we see that continuing, all in the hopes of creating wines that don't taste the same. So continuing the emphasis on Malbec, 
which consumers are very familiar with, but exploring different regions uh, within Mendoza to show that Malbec can be different within Mendoza, that it's lots of variety, and just getting higher and higher. 1,700 metres is really high. So um be interesting to see what those wines taste like, maybe more balanced, more restrained, a different style of Malbec. Yep, working with Vina Cobos, I've seen, you know, the differences between Malbecs from Lujan Luja de Cujo and Valle de Uco, and there's, you know, the differences in altitude there. So it'll be interesting to see what these wines from San Pablo taste like. <laughs> And now for our Wine of the Week, which is Katie? Well, no surprises that our Wine of the Week comes from one of the wineries we visited in Rioja, Gomez Cruzado. But maybe it is a surprise that it's 100% Garnacha, not your typical Tempranillo. Garnacha is a great variety largely dismissed in Rioja, or at least in the past, and elsewhere in Spain, due to its high alcohol and simple aromas usually used in the region solely to beef up Tempranillo blends. But what we learned in Rioja is that producers are much more willing than was historically the case to make single varietal, single vineyard wines, and in tandem with that trend, to make Garnacha-only wines. Uh, This wine, called Pan Crudo, comes from a subregion of Rioja called Upper Najeria, from old bush vines previously only used for rosado, planted on north-facing slopes 650 meters above sea level. Climate change means it's easier to get the grapes fully ripe, and the old vines add concentration. Uh, So these grapes are being used for more than just rosé. We were really impressed by the intensity, power, and balance of this wine. It's full of red fruit, spicy and smoky, and the alcohol comes in at under 14%, actually lower than some of their Tempranillo wines. Yeah, it was 13.5%. Yeah, which is quite a surprise. Uh, So it's coming from those north-facing slopes and harks back to the fact that in the old days they couldn't actually get these grapes fully ripe, which is why they were used for rosado. But it shows producers looking towards old vines, uh, Garnacha instead of Tempranillo, and regions which, or sub-regions of Rioja which were overlooked. So producers are really exploring the region further rather than just relying on those blends they've always been making. Well, the wine was very good and... I was quite happy to see the alcohol at such a moderate level. Uh, That's often been my issue with some uh, Grenache wines. I love them, but it's hard to drink when they're 14, 5, 15. So this was a pleasant surprise. And um, this reflects trends across Spain as well to work with Garnacha. Um, again, as we were saying, a grape which has been overlooked, but its producers, uh, we've mentioned Commando He in Sierra de Gredos, you, uh, working with Old Vine Garnacha. So this is part of overall trends, which I think are very exciting and well worth uh, keeping track of. Cheers to that! So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week from beautiful and rainy San Sebastian. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gone. Join us next week when we're back in California for another wind up. Cheerio!